It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, and today I'm with Brandon Richards from Fearless Properties and also who runs the podcast called Fearless Pursuit of Freedom. And he's coming up on his year mark now, which is incredible, having episodes come out weekly. He's been in single family for a long time and where he wants to go, where he's planning to go is moving into the commercial realm. So he's looking at multifamily, he's looking at mobile home parks, but in particular, he's looking at self storage units. What we're going to talk a little bit about is taking action and not letting fear get in your way. And uh, so I'm very, very excited. Brandon, how did you get into real estate? Um, somewhat intentionally, somewhat accidentally. And what I mean by that is, is I always wanted to be in real estate. Um, I knew that, uh, the top hundred, 200 millionaires and billionaires were all in real estate. So I knew that's the way I wanted to go, but I started out as a realtor, discovered that was not my niche and, uh, it wasn't what I thought it would be. So got into wholesaling and then now into flipping wholesaling and commercial stuff. So, so right now you're into flipping wholesaling yep and commercial uh right so i don't currently hold any commercial assets um, although i'm making a couple offers a week right now so primary core business is single family flipping and wholesaling what does this month look like for you what are you how many are you gonna buy how many are you gonna wholesale how much what are you sending letters out to what does this month look for you look like for you um this month's a pretty unique month. Um, I started marketing to commercial about a month and a half ago and things are starting starting to finally come together. So this month, um, I'll probably contract two or three single families. Um, actually this afternoon I'm going to meet up with the seller, um, and work through the details of an offer we made last week. And so it's a storage unit facility, 122 units. And he has, uh, in a roundabout way, accepted our offer, but once to dial it in, it's going to be an owner finance. And so, um, uh, bringing a partner by and we're going to dial that one in, uh, making an offer on a uh, RV park out by one of the lakes. Um, actually made that offer last night and, um, there's another one. Oh, there's another uh, RV mobile park out on the other side of the lake that we'll be making an offer on this week as well. So, uh, exciting things for sure. All right, so I've got a great question for you here. Sure. You're bringing on a partner with the, I think you said 120-unit seller finance, self-storage property. Correct. And one thing that I think a lot of people are asking themselves might be, well, if you bring in a partner, are you diluting your own ownership? Uh, In a a sense, I guess. Um, And the reason I'm bringing them in is uh, it's a $1.3 million asking price with a 10% down and he's going to be bringing the capital on that. So I'll be in essence, zero money out of pocket. Um, although I'll be a little bit boots on the ground with the management and pulling everything together once we take ownership. Um, and so for me, it's, it's beneficial because not only do not, I don't have to bring that capital to the, to the table, um, but I grab equity and a passive position as well. So it becomes an infinite return. Exactly. Great. So um, I really appreciate you going into that. I was going to ask, why are you bringing in a partner at all? And the answer is, 
uh, because it's just, it is a strategic partnership. You've, you're bringing one thing to table, they're bringing another thing to table, and, to, and it's a giant win-win. So are you expecting to close on that in the next few months? Uh, yes, we have a, uh, I think we did a three-week due diligence and then it closed within three weeks of that. So we should be all in about six to eight weeks, assuming uh, we get it all dialed in. All right. So um, what were you worried at all when you saw this 120-unit self-storage? Did, did you have any fear for that? Um, my initial and only fear was, um, well, man, where am I going to find the money for this? And then I was like, ah, just bring in a partner. Um, evaluating it is pretty simple. Um, and I would say even more simple than evaluating a flip project. Um, uh, aside from, they're the due diligence is a little bit different. You got to check the market and market rents and vacancy and such. But uh, similar to your multifamily, all there is is you determine what the gross is, you determine the vacancy, and uh, bring in a net and make an offer off a cap. So it was pretty, pretty easy. Um, so the only fearful part there was um, I don't have 1.3 million. So uh, where do I get that? And that's why I brought in a partner. Yeah, so what I think is very, very interesting, Brandon, is uh, you're taking action. You saw a $1.3 million property and you're buying it. And you didn't have uh, the 130 or whatever, the million dollars. Right. And what a lot of people would say when they've done single family for some time, when they've done uh, several wholesales or a few wholesales, and somebody presents an offer of like 120 unit self storage unit for $1.3 million. What they would probably say to themselves is, ah, that's going to, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm going to do. One day I'm going to do that. I don't have the money today, but that's what, that's exactly what I want. And when they say that, um, they're those limiting beliefs of, well, that's exactly what I want, but I'm going to wait for five years until I get there because I need 1.3 million to do it. Could right. you speak? Um, could you speak more to your mindset of what allowed you to get into that 120 units as like a teachy moment, in case somebody else has those thoughts we were talking about before? Um, well, so I look at it this way: um, this this particular seller is a little bit a little bit more sophisticated, so I couldn't uh, entertain other ideas of financing. But what's to say you don't get a lead that's um, 10 or 20 mobile part mobile homes on four acres and it's a mom and pop owner. He's owned it for the past 30 years and he wants to retire. What's this? So if he's asking, let's say 800,000, you don't have 800,000, you don't even have $40,000 name, but what's to stop you from saying, Hey, I'll give you 900,000 and I'll even pay you a 6% return as long as you finance it for me for 10 years at a 0% down payment. Now you're literally zero out of pocket and you got a passive income. And uh, you're paying the previous owner uh, who has written you a note for that at 6%. So there's a lot of uh, creative ways to do it. But to your question there is, what are they going to do? Say no. Um, And if they say yes, and as long as you've done your due diligence and your offer is um, at a good return, finding the money is easy. I mean, um, I, I would dial that back a smidge and say, build your network. Um, I know quite a few people with a decent amount of money. And so bringing good deals to them is a no brainer uh, for them. Got it. So finding equity is easy if you have the right network. 
Um, Tell me how you found the 120,000 that needed to go down for the 130,000 that needed to go down for the 120 units. We had to dial back two years, uh, met the guy on Facebook. Um, I sold him my very first single family wholesale and um, he found me my first private money lender and um, he's been my hard money lender on my flip since then. So I've built that relationship um, over the past two years, but I, I met him on Facebook. I saw he's doing some pretty awesome things in real estate. Uh, he was uh, younger like me, so I felt like I had a connection with him and uh, reached out. So I like one of, the, one of the things that you mentioned was that this relationship you've had for over two years now, and it, it didn't start with you um, Facebook messaging him and saying uh, right at the get-go, hey, would you like to put $130,000 to my uh, self-storage unit that I want to buy? Mm-hmm. It, you you actually built a relationship first, right? Right. And, and I've noticed the same thing over the last couple of years. We've raised quite a bit of money through our network, but almost never has it has it happened overnight. Um. So a lot of people when they they, they hear us say, if you find a good deal, you'll find the money. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's always true. Sometimes you have to actually. Um, yeah, actually have to find a good relationship and then you'll find the money. And some of these are cultivated over six months. Some are cultivated over two years and some might be relationships that you've had for 10 plus years Mm -hmm. and you never really knew that they had money or that they, or you might not have known that they had interest, but all of a sudden one day after some time of you being in this business, they're starting to open up their pocketbooks to work with you. Yep. Yeah, they got to trust you. Uh, there's not many people that would go into a financial relationship there um, in under six months, I would imagine. Um, but they got to they got to trust you not only as a person but as uh, a business person, knowing that you evaluated the properties properly. Um, but I mean, you could uh, let's say you had um, you knew what you're doing, you made the offer, and you thought about asking the guy over here that was in real estate, but then wait my parents have an IRA or a 401k they could lend me for a, disclose, you know, a, a certain amount of time. So there's, there's always um, options. You just got to really think about it. So how else does fear hold somebody back in, in this business? I'll just tell you a little bit about how it held me back. Um, uh, like I said before, I've been in, in the real estate uh, just over two years. And so I started out as a realtor always wanted to get into to the investing space. And so I made the jump and got into wholesaling after doing, uh, overcoming those fears of where, you know, where am I going to find my buyers and such. And then I look back on that and I think, well, why did I just do that sooner? It was so easy. And then uh, same thing for when I bought my first flip is, man, where am I going to find the money to buy this thing? Where am I going to find the contractor? Where am I going to do this and this and this? And then I did it and then made some money. I'm like, Dude, I mean, it was incredibly easy. I mean, there's there's hiccups in everything you do, but I'm like, man, that was a lot easier than what my mind was telling me. Um, and then today, it's like, man, I've been in this two, two and a half years. Why didn't I freaking start marketing for commercial back then? I mean, it makes no sense why I didn't do that, but ultimately, it goes back to fear. And so, I've killed a lot of time just with trying to overcome these fears. And, and when I look back, it's like, 
well, there wasn't much to be fearful of in, in reality. Um, so that, I mean, that's my, that's been my experience with fear and same thing with the podcast, like having uh one-on-one conversations is pretty easy for, but, but for talking in front of mass people has always been super freaking scary for me. Mm-hmm. And then finally I just started the podcast, you know, did and got the camera, got the mic and then I'm like, I don't know why I was so scared, but here I am. I'm 38 episodes in and it just did it. I mean, it, I look back and it was, I don't know why I waited so long. It's, that's that's one of the things that I, I try to share with my audience, just specifically on on the podcast yeah. and and on multifamily. I'm like, seriously, you're just beating your head against a wall. If you want to get into multifamily, just get into multifamily. And as you're saying, they're pretty similar. And and for for me and raising equity for our group, I know that the podcast helps a lot. So yeah. if so, if somebody else is like, yes, I know I need to do a podcast, but. Like, I'm like, just like you said, and I'm the same way, Brandon. I don't think I'm the most eloquent person and I don't think I need to be anyway. I'm going to resonate with somebody. I'm going to help somebody. And just having the platform benefits uh, our business for finding more deals and for finding more money. So uh, it doesn't matter if you're afraid or if you're not so eloquent, like start a podcast because it's really going to benefit your business. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to move into the final five, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of the creative real estate podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. And I really appreciate having you as a listener and we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show, and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. All right, it's time for the final five with Brandon Richards. And the first question, what's the most creative deal you've ever done? I have a big social presence, so a realtor reached out to me. Hey, I want to get wholesale, blah blah. Taught him over a couple months, and then he brought a deal to me. I said, okay, if you get it contracted for X, I'll buy it. And so he contracted it below X, and we'll we'll just say the numbers. He contracted one fifteen. I contracted off of him for one twenty nine. I was like, this is a great deal. Um, and then I happened to know a guy that um, was working for a hedge fund, so uh, realtor got it for one fifteen. He con- I contracted up from 129. I sold it to the hedge firm for 184, all within three weeks, um, and that's 100% off of knowing my network and how to utilize it properly. So you made you made like 40 or 50 thousand. Yep. Yep. Wow. Good deal. Thank you for going through that. What's a book that you recommend? Um, uh, man. I, so I'll, I'll preface it with, I hate reading, but I read a ton. I think I read like 56 books last year. And out of those, I generally concentrate on real estate books. And so probably one of my favorite ones, and it's easy to read, it's um, informative, it goes into stories, would be, do you know a guy named Todd Fleming? He has two books out now. One is, if you can't wholesale after this, I've got nothing for you. And then his new one, if you can't cash flow after this, I've got nothing for you. And the cash flow one really opens up your mind about the different options as a single family person of how to bring in these passive uh, avenues or streams of income. Good deal. Yeah. Where were you five years ago? Five years ago, I was in a different state, 
owner operating a carpet cleaning franchise. Um, uh, solopreneur, built myself into a job that I thought was going to set me free, but I was totally wrong. Okay, good, good. And then uh, today you are wholesaling how many a year? Uh, I think last year I did 27. Great. Yeah. Great. More than two a month. Uh, yeah. Every other week you're closing a deal. Yeah. And then, um, and then you did some flips too, right? Yep. About uh, how many? Not many, like nine or ten. I forget. Cool, cool. And some of your some of your wholesales you're making forty or fifty on. Yeah. That sounds like a good year. Uh, right. Awesome, awesome. And then, where will you be five years from today? What do you envision happening in five years? Uh, five years from now. Um, personal lifestyle. I'll have uh, the passive income I had always imagined. Um, and then by then I'll be a licensed pilot flying my own little personal plane around in the woods. And, but business wise, it'll be, um, I'll be out of single family ideally. And then into, uh, passive forms of commercial assets. Like we discussed before, mobile home parks, storage facilities and apartments. How do you give back? Currently, it's just monetarily, and sometimes, every so often, it is, is with my time. Um, although running my business, I don't have a lot of it, so I give back to some charities, um, primarily um, to uh, impoverished children in Peru and in the Philippines, and so I'll donate to those. Um, but uh, part of my five-year plan is to be able to have the income and the passive to travel to back to Peru and to the Philippines and help build orphanages. That's, that's my end goal, my why. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And to the audience, if you want to find Mr. Brandon Richards, the best way to find him is right on Facebook. So go to Facebook and type in his name. And or if you want to listen to the podcast, it's Fearless Pursuit of Freedom. So go and look for that. And Brandon, thank you for coming on. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks this is a very valuable topic and you're an expert on it and you have everything, the fearless podcast, the fearless properties. Uh, so definitely re really uh, enjoyed having you on and until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, think outside the box.